Hello, I'm Kristen McDonald, and welcome to Second Vision. My guests today are here to help you stay healthy both emotionally and physically while we fight this invisible enemy called the coronavirus. Scott Smith is an accomplished author. He's a medical and nutritional consultant and a journalist. And one of his books is entitled God Reconsidered, Searching for Truth in the Battle Between Atheism and Religion. He is also an editor of a magazine for dentists and an associate editor of Vegetarian Times. Scott's wife, Sandra, is an expert in the anti-aging field, and she's an artist by profession, and she's a hypnotherapist to top it off. Also an expert in visualization and reprogramming the subconscious mind. Sandra and Scott have participated in everything from Tony Robbins' Firewalk to the Landmark Forum, and I'm delighted to have them with us today. Hey, Kristen. Good to be back. Yeah, we're doing great. That's terrific. I'm so delighted. Uh, It's been a long time since you've been on the show, and this is just an appropriate time, it seems. I'm glad that you reached out to me, Scott, Uh, especially, you know, given both of your backgrounds. I think it's an interesting twist you know, in these times with the coronavirus. I mean, why don't we tell our viewers, you know, our listeners rather, a little bit more about your background in alternative medicine and give them some confidence about, you know, why your wisdom is so important today about how we we can stay physically healthy and emotionally healthy in these times. Well, thanks for the opportunity. And um, I had a very fortunate upbringing in that my grandfather on my mother's side was both an MD and a chiropractor, which is kind of unusual even then. He had several other medical degrees. And um, my first experience with an alternative approach was uh, I was supposed to have my tonsils taken out, and he did a special chiropractic massage. And when I went in for the surgery, the doctor said, what happened? A week ago, you should have had them taken out, and now they're okay. And uh, we grew up um, hearing about Adele Davis and Prevention Magazine and all that stuff in the 50s and 60s. I think we were the only family that ate whole wheat bread on the block, which was kind of embarrassing. (laughs) And, um, you know, then um, I lived in Germany for a couple of years in the early 70s, and because I knew a little bit about this, I was impressed with the fact that you could walk into any pharmacy and ask, a pharmacist about something called homeopathy, which is a 300-year-old alternative, uh, what's called cell salt tradition. Um, And uh, it was a Swiss invention that's very common in Europe. Nobody in America has ever heard of it. And you could ask doctors about nutrition and herbs. In fact, there was a physician's desk reference for herbs. And they had a fully integrated medical system using acupuncture even in the 1970s. And they're one of the top countries in terms of their health outcomes, whereas today we're ranked number 39 in health outcomes per dollar spent. So uh, I had that kind of early exposure to an alternative way of thinking. And then um, I was back in 1973, uh, became a co-founder of what became Vegetarian Times, and I, um, by pure coincidence, I would kind of fell into uh, the natural food business. I ended up becoming an assistant to a whole bunch of famous 
alternative doctors, Pavel Irola, best-selling author, Ann Wigmore, who invented wheatgrass, essentially, Kirk Dunsbaugh, uh, and, um, and then eventually I left that field, um, and uh, I recently got back into it. I went into business journalism, and occasionally I would write about some of these alternative issues and alternative doctors and so forth. And um, then a few years ago, as the newspaper business began to decline, I decided to get back into it, and now I'm kind of returned uh, back to the future um, as a nutrition consultant for a retail chain. And uh, I have seen lots and lots of miracles using what is now fashionably called integrative medicine. It used to be called alternative or holistic. And uh, I'm kind of living proof uh, that this stuff works because I haven't been seriously sick in 45 years. And um, the reason people are not informed about this is because there's a a classic book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions by Thomas Kuhn. And he explains that the academic establishment, uh, the conventional wisdom in any field, uh, is about two generations behind because the guys who were teaching, you know, they were learning their stuff that they're now defending and staking their careers on, you know, 20, 30 years, 40 years before. And then when they die, uh, you know, the rea- the, their attitude towards any new thing is, oh, that's heresy. Then the next generation moves up, and they say, well, we don't believe in it, but, you know, you can talk about it, and you can publish an article if you want in one of the scientific journals. You're no longer banned. But then you have to wait for that generation to die before the the old conventional wisdom gets replaced by a more open-minded approach. So it's, it's a standard thing in many, many different fields that is well-known. And so it's not surprising that probably 95% of doctors don't know a thing about nutrition. They have, my brother, the internist, had one course on nutrition at UCLA Medical School. And I said, right there explains why we're lousy on preventive medicine and why so many people are on three or six drugs. And uh, we're a relatively sick nation. We're, the doctors are great at surgery, but when it comes to preventive medicine, American medicine is not very good. So I'm going to let Sandra tell you a little bit about her background. Okay. Well, I have quite an opposite background than Scott did. I had really kind of wealthy parents who really did not know nutrition at all. Uh, We had uh, very, very, very weak teeth, the whole family, and I had my first caps at 12, (laughs) of all things. Oh, my Uh, goodness. So I had an insatiable appetite to learn how to better my situation, and that's how I really started getting into all the situations that I <clears throat> books and then I reported on the anti-aging convention in Las Vegas, interviewed Suzanne Summers, T.S. Wiley, who was the bioidentical expert for men and women, and then I became interested in everything. Everything that you get out there, you have to research yourself or you end up with, a, with, a, with, with not the best work at all. You've got to know a lot about plastic surgery, a lot about cataracts, fibroid tumors, hysterectomies, deviated stuff. Everything is a, a topic within itself. So I did a whole lot of work on everything, and the more I got into it, the more I realized how unprepared everybody is for all the things they're facing. They just follow their friends' recommendations without doing their own homework. And as 
you know, as you get to know people and you understand and read and understand what they're talking about, you realize the doctors know very little, as Scott mentioned. So because of that, it's parlayed into a major concern of mine. It goes on and on and on and on. And I'll get back to my mother who had a, a, a stage 2 cancer scare, and I and Scott rescued her by taking her to Mexico where, of course, this is where she had an alternative, very successful treatment. So it really does work, but one has to put a lot of effort and time and not be intimidated by doctors because they will surely try to put you in your place, layman as we are. So I call myself an educated layman, and this is what I do. And everything that goes on, I do a lot of homework before I commit to anything. And that's the way it has to be, unless you don't want the best treatment in the world. But anyway, so Scott will continue on this. Yes? Yeah. Very interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what about some of these homeopathic remedies, you know, that so many people have... Uh, you know, they, the skeptics turn their noses up at them. You know, I actually use a homeopathic sleep spray. Uh, and by the way, I'm from a medical family myself. My dad was an MD, uh, um, general practitioner in his early years, and then went into infectious diseases. So I come from a medical background. And But I, I sing your praises here because I've been seeking out alternative treatments, you know, for years, uh, especially when I, I suddenly got a genetic condition out of the blue, <clears throat> excuse me, and a gluten allergy and all sorts of things. So I just went in the other direction trying to find all sorts of answers. So I do agree with you that they should have an extended course for doctors, you know, another add-on or a blend of nutrition and, and things to give them some more information, you know, so we could have a, a meeting of the minds. But it hasn't happened yet. But what about the, you know, the skeptics who say, you know, these salts don't work or, you know, up they turn their nose up at homeopathy. Like, what are some of the things you're recommending for for us today with this this invisible enemy enemy to fight it? Yeah, well, the the, the rap you hear from mainstream <coughs> doctors, who, as I said, are about two generations removed from the uh, the front line experience, uh, is oh, you know, this is all internet rumor, and you know, uh, there's no proof for anything. And uh, don't bother taking vitamins, blah blah blah. No and, studies. Yeah, right. They they say now. They, they, there's a couple of problems with this. It's true that quite often it's hard to prove certain things, and and I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, it's not easy to prove that acupuncture works because how do you do a fake prick for the placebo side? And secondly. Um, Let's say you're doing a nutrition study, and I've seen lots of these, where the, the sample is too small to prove anything. The dosage is way too small, as anybody would know who would, had some experience with these things. And then you send the people home, and you know they claim that they're following a good diet. How do you know that? So there's a lot of problems with the way they go about these studies. But we know from the real world of the small percentage, probably 5% in the U.S., of doctors who practice integrative medicine. They use vaccines. They use surgery. Uh, they believe in viruses. Um, you know, they, but they also had some personal experience that opened up their minds. Uh, they had an illness that the conventional treatments couldn't deal with. Um, they um, had a family member or a beloved patient and um, they tried something new. 
uh, like uh, chelation, which is very, there have been hundreds of uh, double-blind studies on this for improving cardiovascular disease. It's only officially approved for removing um, lead. Uh, lead from the uh, the body. But um, but you know the uh, you know people know like Dr. Andrew Weil, for example, very credentialed MD. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of medical doctors, some of whom I've worked with and I've known, uh, who have a tremendous amount of experience with these things. They know everything that the skeptics do, that the other conventional doctors do. The militant ignorance of the medical establishment about these things shows that they, they're not in communication with the rest of the world. When we went to India, we, um, we were travel writers. We learned that the Indian medical schools are highly regarded around the world, and they use Ayurvedic medicine. Um, the German doctors told me, you know something, we can't, we don't understand why acupuncture works, but it hasn't had any side effects in 3,000 years, so we figure it's okay to use. You know, the <laughs> German approach to it. So dealing with homeopathy, for example, um, I didn't frankly know much about it until a few years ago, and as I was entering back into the health field, I thought I, I knew I was going to have questions about it, so I started looking up things. Now, the reason we know it's psychosomatic, I'll just give you one example. They did a meta-study of, of 50 different trials with livestock in Europe, and something like two-thirds of the livestock improved. Uh, it is widely used in American veterinary medicine because the FDA obviously doesn't care about animals, so they have, you know, they use acupuncture very commonly. Um, I've had a whole bunch of pilots tell me they have tried every folk remedy there is for jet lag, and there's a homeopathic formula that is the only thing they told me that works. Tell me. I'm terrible yeah. with jet lag. What is it? If we can ever fly again, the planes are down now. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, assuming they come back. Assuming uh, they come back. <clears throat> there were a, if you go into any natural food store, they actually have something in the homeopathic section, section called jet lag. And, uh, the, 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 and, then, and here's something I just learned this morning. I thought, well, I haven't really looked. I, I know something about homeopathic remedies on, um, for flu, for example, because uh, you can go into any natural food store, and this, there is a double-blind tested line by Genexa, and they have one for the flu. You can go on their website to look at the evidence. And um, But, you know, when it comes to general viruses and stuff, you can Google online and they'll give you some ideas. But I, I was surprised to notice that they had actually done some placebo double-blind tests with groups um, for AIDS, and they found, to quote them, the second group of studies found specific physical immunological, neurological, metabolic, and quality of life benefits, including improvements in lymphocyte counts and functions and reduction in HIV viral loads. So, so much for um, homeopathy not having any science. Now, it is widely used. It was a Swiss invention, as I mentioned. Um, it's considered pretty harmless relative to any other kind of medicine, and uh, so... Uh, that would be something that I think people should try. I, we obviously don't know what's really going to work 
with the, the coronavirus as far as that goes. Now, I'll tell you what we do know improves the immune system, and now it's become the fashion in cancer treatment that takes a more holistic approach to try to build the immune system. You know, obviously, water, exercise, diet, better diet, these are all things that can improve uh, the body's functioning. But, um, you know, everybody should uh, take uh, a few basic things. One is everybody knows vitamin C is good against viruses, but what they don't know is it has to be taken two or three times a day because it's a water-soluble vitamin. It goes out of the body very quickly. So I just tell people, take it with breakfast and lunch when you're out working. Um, everybody should take a multiple vitamin mineral. It doesn't matter which one with one exception. You're better off not taking a one a day. They're not well designed. They don't allow the water-soluble vitamins, the B-complex and the C, to um, be put back into the system. Buy something that says to take two or four tablets or capsules a day and then take one dose with breakfast, one with lunch. Then there's uh, vitamin D will be in there. You can also take some extra vitamin D. That's specific for the immune system. D3 or D? Well, D3, but that's pretty much all there is anymore. Right. But, I mean, are you are you saying to take these multiple vitamins in addition? Like I take a slew of vitamins, you know, from fish oils to uh, calcium, you know, a whole line of them, lutein. Yeah, are you saying to take the multivitamin on top of those? Yeah. I mean, generally for most people, unless you're really sophisticated about this stuff, it's easier just to take a multiple vitamin and then add to that uh, some extra D, uh, C twice a day, um, and calcium magnesium because it comes mostly from a rock and you can't really cram it into a multiple vitamin. But if you're taking a whole bunch of different things, like B-complex would be the other thing you want to either take separately or with a multiple vitamin if, if it's in there. Uh, you got to take it twice a day because both C and the B-complex are water-soluble, so they go out with the urine uh, every few hours. And then garlic has been known... Uh, as an immune builder, um, it's called Russian penicillin because they had no medicine during the war. They ate garlic and they stayed healthy. Right. And if you still want to have friends, there are odorless versions. <laughs> uh, most famously, uh, the Kyolic um, brand from uh, Japan. Um, something I didn't know, two things I didn't know much about until a couple of years ago before I got back into this field. One is oregano oil. Now, it is the worst-tasting stuff on earth. So I Is it? Everybody's raving about it. They said there's a nasal spray, there's this, that, and the next thing I hear for the coronavirus. Right, zinc. right. Well, this, this might, yeah, and, and zinc, which is part of any multiple vitamin, and you can also take uh, zinc separately if you want to uh, up your dose. Uh, but oregano oil is so powerful, they don't recommend taking it, and I recommend the capsule form um, a lot. Uh, what I do is I just put it into the bloodstream once a day as a rule. But um, now that I'm working uh, in a nutritional consulting department, uh, I uh, it's like working in a hospital because everybody with the flu comes in. Forget coronavirus. We were already fanatical about washing our hands uh, and, you know, uh, taking immune supplements long before this. And so uh, what I, if I start to get a sore throat, uh, I'll take 
oregano oil and all these things every few hours, putting them back into the system, kind of like the helicopter dropping water on the wildfires, as we know out here in California. Right. Uh, it doesn't just go out because you drop the water once, you know. So I will start taking um, oregano oil. And the first time I tested it after hearing from customers, uh, I started to get a sore throat that night. I took three oregano oil capsules, and the next morning the cold never developed. Um, they also now, now the kind of the latest thing is uh, mushrooms that build the um, immune system, mushroom powder. Uh, they have formulas in any store that say uh, immune building or something like that. One of the ingredients, one of the mushrooms is called turkey tail. And the last thing I knew nothing about was something called colloidal silver, which has actually... Yes, I did a whole program on it. It was very yeah. interesting. And he sent me some, uh, uh, um, I don't know, some spray or something. It was very good. Yeah, it's, it's, I thought it was superstitious. Uh, and then I went on the Sovereign Silver site, which has a whole bunch of the clinical evidence for it, and they said, listen, this is nothing new. It's been used for a couple of thousand years going back to the Greeks, and uh, I thought that the studies were persuasive enough, so I take a little bit of that on a preventive basis, and again, if I start to feel sick, uh, you know, then I will, you know, attack it. So that's kind of the broad overview. I haven't been using, uh, I just actually, I just started taking a homeopathic um, uh, kind of a, a, a flu remedy. I don't know if it will help, but it can't hurt. Uh, and there's a very famous uh, flu one called a silicosinum, which you can get at almost any Yes, I used to take that. Yeah. And yeah, so, when I was working. Now, again, this, there's so many things you mentioned, and, you know, you start adding up the cost and also just people's uh, dietary, uh, you know, what they can handle digestively yeah. and so forth. I mean, are you talking about just taking it when you start to feel sick or now in these crazy times, even though we're quarantined, to, to build up and take one or all of those things all the time? Yeah, so I would say, aside from, you know, obviously trying to, eat vegetables and whole grains and, you know, things like that. Whatever your diet is, you know, eliminate the white sugar and the high fructose corn syrup. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, t drink more water. And then just on a daily basis, you want to take the multiple vitamin and the, and the C and a B complex if you're taking that. You've got to take that twice a day. Everything else, um, you know, like the D and the other things, you can take a little bit during the day, maybe once a day. Um, and, and I take, because I'm exposed, uh, to a lot of people with the flu and so forth, I take this, that wellness formula, which is, has about 20 different herbs like echinacea and elderberry and all the traditional herbs used in folk medicine to prevent colds and flu and other, um, infections. Uh, and so I'll take that with each meal. But small amounts of all the stuff, the only thing that, I would say, you know, go light on is just take one oregano oil capsule a day. And I do think we have to have a more robust program than normal because it isn't just the, uh, the coronavirus or COVID-19. Um, you know, if you compare that with a lot of other uh, communicable diseases, uh, it doesn't really look that bad. It just comes as a shock that we don't have a vaccine for it. So uh, there's, if you build up your immune system, it has enormous benefits. 
Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. And, and what's your thought on the vaccine? Do you would you get one when once we have it? And yeah, what do you think? Kim? Well, of course, I, I can't wait for that vaccine to come about. They say it's going to be another year and a half. I hope not, but it could be that long that they got to test it. Of course, of course, the vaccine will be fabulous to take. I can't wait. I really am looking forward to it. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm talking. in agreement there. You know, some people are because they may feel there's traces of mercury or they're afraid of it or they just, you know, kind of poo-poo it. I, I just think it's protection for, for yourself and for other people. But it's a personal decision, of course. Yeah, I, I've written about Jonas Salk and Louis Pasteur and the history of epidemic diseases. If anybody needs a dose of reality while they're sitting home looking for a book to read, uh, Jared Diamond's Guns, Germs, and Steel is kind of the history of epidemics from, like, the Middle Ages. And, um, you know, it, it's very sobering when you find out 40% of Europe in the, the, I think it was the 12th and 13th century, died of the Black Plague, you know. Uh, so, yes, I understand early in the development of vaccines, you know, there, there were some problems with some of them. And, uh, and like all medicines, uh, there are side effects, and there's a certain number of people that uh, are going to have very bad experiences. But overall, uh, vaccination isn't, like, brand new. I mean, even before Louis Pasteur in the 1860s, you know, they were using cowpox, which is, you know, kind of a cousin of smallpox, and they would you know, create a little uh, wound in people and put a little bit in, and that would vaccinate them. Uh, George Washington was doing that with his troops. And um, so I, I think that vaccination is a, a perfectly sensible thing. Um, sometimes modern medicine tends to exaggerate its role. For example, smallpox, smallpox didn't principally disappear uh, due to um, vaccination, uh, it was sanitation that really began lowering it. But uh, people have forgotten, in the 20th century, 200 million people died of smallpox. Um, you know, here in the ivory tower of America in the 21st century, we're forgetting. Uh, people would probably be shocked to know that um, there were, um, uh I think uh, in 2018 there were 228 million cases of malaria. 405,000 people died. Um, if we want to compare, uh, let's say, a fatality rate, um, uh, tuberculosis last year, uh, 10 million cases globally, 1.5 million people died, 15% fatality rate, you know. So, you know, we're just not used to anything serious. People might remember polio or something like that, but, you know, we've been living in this little bubble compared to the rest of the world. This is maybe the first time since 1918 that we really had to deal Spanish with... Spanish flu. You know, yeah, the Spanish flu, right. Yeah, my yeah. grandfather survived it, and my, my aunt, who was very small, and, and by the way, I was in the first polio study. I was itty-bitty, but my dad was a doctor and put it... Put it to our, all three kids into it. That's a conversation for another time. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, just because you know we only have so much time today, uh, a little bit about your book and also, Sandra, to talk about some visualization for people because it's also so important that we stay 
focused spiritually, you know, and uh, emotionally and, and reprogramming the subconscious mind. I know you're an expert in that area. But first, Scott, what do you think about, you know, what religion says about what's happening in these times? And, and um, you know, your book is a uh, – tell us the title again. It's, it's called God Reconsidered, and I have a website, godreconsidered.com, and there's a Facebook page where I've got – all kinds of blogs and interviews and things like that. So um, what I would say foundationally uh, is that, um, as you mentioned, you know, we did the firewalk and we went through the landmark forum, which used to be called EST, and we learned uh, transcendental meditation. Uh, did your feet hurt? Uh, well, funny you should ask, because at the time that I went through, all the skeptics were saying, oh, the fire walk really isn't hot. Uh, it's just a little trick because the, <laughs> feet, the, feet, the feet sweat and the coals aren't really that hot. Da, 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 da. It's your imagination. Yeah. So, um, so I, you know, I had a lot of self-confidence, and we did the three-day seminar. And um, so Sandra walked. She wasn't going to go across, but, but, you know, she was a hypnotherapist, and she thought, well, I think I'll do it anyway. She walked across no problem. I walked across, and I got second-degree burns. That was actually a good thing, because I could definitively refute the skeptic. Say, anybody who thinks that this is just a... You know, it's, it's, yeah, and for about two weeks I was on crutches, so that was my first... Oh, my God. Robert, we, we, laughed, we laughed about that years later, because I interviewed him a few years ago about his business seminars for my leadership call. Uh-huh. For, Investors Business Daily, you know, but we've been, we went up to Esalen Institute. We've, we've done a lot of these kind of um, alternative spiritual practices, and we still meditate. I belong to um, a church called Ecclesia Gnostica, kind of a mystical group, and I go to Mass right now. It's suspended, of course, and, and we both do prayer and meditation every day. Um, so, so important. Is, is important, and whatever. Uh, spiritual, um, I, I've written ex- extensively on my website and talked in interviews about the fact that spirituality does make a difference. Uh, if somebody wants to be agnostic, the AA program, and I go to a 12-step program, the AA program, uh, you can be an agnostic, you can actually be an atheist, you can call the higher power, the group, you know, any number of things, but if you take an overly kind of narrow view of reality, uh, number one, that isn't really supported by the scientific evidence. I have uh, chapters in my book on near-death experiences, um, uh, uh, ESP, and some other things where I show, again, the conventional materialistic scientific wisdom is about 40 years out of date. Uh, it, it's really astonishing how closed-minded people are and... So I, I have some chapters devoted to that. So what what I say to people um, is, you know, if you don't find you, the religion you were brought up in satisfactory, there are a lot of alternatives, and it's not the case that all religions are the same. They're radically different. Sandra and I have been all over the world. We've been to Uzbekistan, Saudi Arabia, uh, we've seen Shinto and talked to priests and Buddhist priests in Japan. The yeah, the whirling dervishes in Egypt. Um, Fabulous. Yeah, we've we've been exposed to everything. We're very close to the Hare Krishnas. 
they represent mainstream Hinduism. So it, it's all very helpful. We Both of us went through many, many years of Jungian dream analysis and psychotherapy. I All of these things should not be scoffed at. You know, people who think, you know, I'm in the business of interviewing CEOs still, and what I learned is the smarter people are, the bigger blinders they have to what they don't really know, and they think they know everything, and so they scoff at stuff that they dismiss. And um, so be humble, be open-minded, and uh, if you're a skeptic, it, it, listen, there's books out, like by Sam Harris, who's an atheist, um, on, on meditation, Buddhist meditation for atheists, you know. So you don't have to believe in a personal God, but there are many, many... Uh, path, and I talk about the esoteric Christian one that I ended up choosing, and it makes all the difference in the world. I'm very calm about this crisis. I am not worried about the coronavirus at all, partly because I understand uh, the history of disease, and, and we've been doing these hygienic practices for a long time, but I, I do a prayer and meditation every single day, and, uh, and I go to these 12-step meetings, and it helps me stay in a positive frame of mind. It really does, and that's so, so important. They had a, a, a gal on who had, uh, I forgot her name, on the Today Show this morning, one of the top authors who had written a book on happiness, How to Be Happy at Yale, from Yale University. And, you know, she she did the, she did mentioned the five things in the nutrition, the, you know, the mental health, the, uh, the gratitude, you know, all the basics that we know, the prayer, the meditation. But the one thing she didn't mention, I thought, when, when I, it tuned out, was she didn't mention laughter. You know, and laughter is so important for the immunity. You know, I've read so many books on it, on just boosting your immunity through through laughter. You know, have that, have that good. You know, rev up your immune system every day with a good laugh. It's very important. It helps you react differently, as well as meditation and breathing and all of that. But we are winding down on time, and I wanted to get into the periodontal aspect of your career too. I know you're a consultant in that area, and 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 how important it is, but. Before we do that, um, I'd like to ask Sandra to sort of, you know, walk us through a little visualization or something important for people today, you know, to take with them. This is really important for me to tell you all that meditation is more than just meditation. There is an area outside the conscious mind. Bruce Lipton, one of my favorite authors in the whole world. Oh, yes, he's been on the show. Isn't he great? He's fabulous, fabulous. It's okay. So you know what he talks about, which is the subconscious mind is one million times bigger than the conscious mind. We're all like semi-robots. We think we're running the show, we're not. We have to really take control and bypass the chatter that goes on all the time. And the way to get into this is to make sure that you make a big attempt to get into the alpha state. And it's difficult to do, so I use a light and sound machine, which is great because it's integrates the left and right brain and puts you into a place where you are focused and pointed focused. So ritual is the key to do this every single day, twice a day. Not only get into a place where you can bypass the chatter, which is so, so seductive, but get into a place where you are above it and you get to this pure zone of pure nothingness. And that's where you start building imagery. But the imagery has to be done in a special way, not just imagery. It has to incorporate all the five senses in detail, exquisite detail, the heat, the smell, the emotions. Everything must be to the, to the, to the, the, the degree you can't imagine so that it becomes so real, it becomes it. 
and this is done every day as as your as your meditation has to be to make results come and focus. I fell and broke and smashed my hip to ribbon some years ago, and I wasn't going to take their prognosis. I, I got a big skeleton picture in front of my bed, and uh, the man, by the way, that that uh, that does um, the best book on imagery is William F E Z L E R. In imagery for healing, knowledge, and power. It's an older book. You're going to have to find it. But it incorporates the five senses. So you can get an idea of how to do this in shades of gray. It's very, very, very descriptive. So breaking this hip, I overcame a tremendous injury by spending one year and three months in bed. Every single day I worked on this five and six hours a day. So I used, met- I used metaphors to, to picture what I wanted to do, little metaphors. Like a little uh, man with a little 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 uh, uh, spray gun, spraying layers of calcium to build up my bones. In my mind, I had to use metaphors like uh, like like little uh, you know when you do sprouts, how sprouts are green. I used them as red sprouts, and they represented red blood vessels, and they put the blood back in that injured area so I could reattach that bone in my mind. After a year and a quarter. I went to the doctor, and I incorporated, had my teacher come in from some other place in Michigan, who was like a shaman, came in to help me, saw the doctor, they took CAT scans, there, now I run, I walk, I have no problem, but I have five big pins in that hip, and because of my work, I just about recuperated from it, so anything can be done if you really put your attention on it, to the extent I'm telling you, it's really important to do that, because this is the way you actualize and materialize things is by making it so real it's irresistible to the universe and really you have, your emotions must match it you just can't do it just like that you've got to really put your attention on it but that really was a fabulous incredible uh, it's a mental gym a mental gymnasium just like our body that we have to work on you know I so admire you that's incredible a friend of mine just went through a hip replacement and I'd like to share that with her uh, she's getting better, but did you write a book on it or anything, or any of your visualizations? I'm just telling you the two books I use, of course, Bruce Lipton's book, and of course the five. All these books you can get other books. I like these two particularly because they're so definite, and I think you know Bruce Lipton is a genius in what he does. Yes, I do think so, and I do think that these these are older books, the uh, William Sesler book, but they're very clear in the many many shades. Mm-hmm. And the steps. Yeah. Fantastic. Really is great. So anyway, let's start. continue now. Yeah, you know, I hate to say it, but I, I think we're sort of winding down on time. Scott, I'd love to maybe do another show at another time on the importance. If you can give us one tip on the importance of taking care of your, your teeth or how the periodontal before we, we close today, and uh, perhaps we'll revisit it. Yeah. So um, I think all of us grew up not understanding why it's important to take care of of our periodontal health, which is gum and teeth, we thought, oh, cavities, no. What they've discovered is that if you start to get gum infections, this is what leads to dentures, loss of teeth, all kinds of very serious problems, and the bacteria from the mouth raises your uh, very high risk of uh, coronary artery disease, um, diabetes, cancer, and other problems. So. What I've done now is I've gotten much stricter about using uh, a water pick and flossing every day, brushing twice a day. 
I swish coconut oil in my mouth for half a minute and spit it out every day because it draws out the germs that's scientifically proven. And I also swish around colloidal silver, and then I swallow that. I don't spit it out. So those are kind of my little improvements on my habits, and uh, it, it will shock most people, especially guys, how important it is to really take care of your periodontal health to your overall health. Yes, uh, everything starts in the mouth and the gut, right? <laughs> and the water pick is amazing. I can't stress that enough, you know. Um, so we'll we'll have to do another show on that sometime because it's so amazing, um, the improvement that you can have in your overall health, you know, just from taking care of your teeth. But I can't thank you both enough. You're both fascinating people and so inspiring with so much great information to offer us. And everybody in quarantine will be pretty busy taking advantage of all your tips. So thank you so much for listening to Second Vision. Uh, my guest today, wonderful Scott Smith and his wonderful wife, Sandra Smith. And please um, take advantage of all this great information and stay safe and healthy. I'm Kristen McDonald. Thanks for tuning in to Second Vision.